We here. It's Don Chen's The Wolf Mentality Podcast. It's pretty damn lit. Uh, long Wolf. Yeah. What up, Wolves? This is Don Chen's. This is Wolf Mentality. And boy, do I feel terrible. I've been sick for a few days, found out this morning that I have pneumonia, which is lovely. Uh, and you can hear it in my voice throughout this podcast. I struggled to be able to speak, but I powered through. And fortunately, my guest uh, this week, White Wolf, spelled W-H-1-T-E-W-0-L-F, very fancy, White Wolf. Fortunately, he kind of saved me, did a lot of the talking, uh, saved my voice and saved the podcast. I think it's a good show. He's a musical artist. Uh, kind of a blend of it's more like rock alternative leaning some hip-hop elements I he says it and I actually said it to him before he even described it that way but it sounds like po- think post Malone but more guitar and singing than hip-hop more rock leaning uh, he has a new project out called Nephophobia. it's a new EP that just dropped uh, so everyone make sure the they check that out I'll have the link to Spotify and Apple music in the description backstory you know we had talked me and him had talked previously about doing an interview timing just didn't work out but then I saw he had posted about oh like you know this upcoming Friday I have a project coming out so I hit him up saying hey like you know we should circle back on this maybe try to set something up I ended up kind of agreeing to do the interview before I heard the project which I was a little nervous about because I was like ah, if it doesn't end up being good and then I have him on a co-sign it like I was kind of worried about it but he sent the the EP to me. I listened to it. And unfortunately, I thought it was amazing. It's really good. So I'm very happy and I was happy to do it. And it went v- really well. I think he did a great job of, he got into a lot of detail about, I think, I think this is what I found most beneficial is he talked about how he uses the statistics and the data that Spotify gives him and how he uses that to expand his audience and grow his audience. And I think it was something that me personally was good for me to take away. And I think there's a lot of valuable lessons in what he has to say for anybody that's, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, a content creator, any kind of creative, even if you, you know, have a normal nine to five job and just, you have a sales role or something like, I think it's a, it's a really interesting way on how to expand your network. And, you know, there's a lot of other stuff too that are beneficial, but that was just the one thing that stood out to me. So, uh, my voice hurts. I'm not going to talk anymore. Uh, same old like subscribe, rate review, tell your friends, blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm done. Uh, here's White Wolf. Let's do it. Oh, and just a heads up, the first track off White Wolf's new EP, Nephophobia, the first track titled Way Up, will be played in its entirety at the end of this episode. So if you make it until the end, you'll get to hear the full song. And it's my personal favorite, uh, so I'm excited to have it at the end. And here's the episode. All right, I think we're live. And before we say anything more, I'm letting all the listeners know my voice is really not doing so hot. I've been struggling all weekend, but I'm gonna power through. Uh, my show is called Wolf Mentality, so I think I gotta stick by the name. And I'm here with musical artist White Wolf. What's going on, man? Happy to be here. How's it going? Not too bad. How are you? Good. Are you worried about me getting you sick? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm worried about coughing during this whole thing. So we'll see if I make it through. I don't know if I will. Um, all right. So first things first, we're both wolves. Yes. How, how did you become a wolf? How'd you get your name? All right. Um, so my, my background on the name is actually, it's pretty nerdy. Um, you know, I've always been into like video games and stuff like that ever since I was a kid. Uh, there's actually a game called the Witcher and it's his nickname. It's like a, you know, 
It started as a Polish novel, and then it became a video game. And his nickname is the White Wolf. I always thought that was kind of cool. Uh, also, the animal is awesome. You know, I mean, who doesn't yeah. like who doesn't like wolves? You know, <laughs> but um, you know, I wanted to keep it a little bit something different, but um, on a broader scale. Also, I felt like. You know, it didn't really have, you know, you, you think of Eminem, you think of rap, you think of, um, you know, Kiss, you think of rock. You know, I, I wanted it to be kind of something that you couldn't really put a label on, uh, which kind of gives me more flexibility in the music itself. Uh, so I can like kind of bounce around from genre to genre, that kind of a thing. Nice. That's what I was going to get into later. Um, and video games aren't nerdy. That's what's cool now. <laughs> so you're kind of the, you're the cool kid now. I, I guess so, I, man. I think that's the move. Yeah, I, I'm not I, too sure. <laughs> well, why, why do you put the one in the zero? In the name. Um, to be honest. Just to look cool? Just swag? It was more It was more so because of availability. Like White Wolf with just spelled out correctly is like some metal band, you know? Yeah. So it was like kind of an availability thing. But, you know, switching it up with numbers, it kind of, you know, sets you aside from the crowd. And I figure it's something different. Yeah. That's always like... That's like that with like names, like website, like URLs and like some things are just literally because like, ah, somebody had that. So I got to, I had to like tweak it. Like, yeah. like my, my uh, website's lonewolffit.com because some guy in Georgia has a personal training business, lonewolffitness.com that he hasn't used since 2008. And he's <laughs> well, just like, holding so, on to that. And he holds on to the URL. I've offered him money and he won't take it. So I was like, all right, now I got to change the name of the URL. So it's like. That shit always happens. I feel like yeah. The, the drawback though is like you know you, you say you say to people you're a white wolf and they go to spell it out and they're like oh I can't find you I can't find you and then you have to say you know it's white with a one wolf with a zero so that it's a little bit of a drawback but you know once you get there hopefully people will, people will know it. But counterpoint if people know how to spell it right off the bat like sometimes if you're not as big of a name and there are other names similar like you kind of get bumped down in the results. True. So if you have like True. that really unique spelling and people do know that it's like. There's no way anyone else is going to pop up. That is true. If you look it up right now, it's the top. It's yeah, the you top pop result. up right away. Yeah. <laughs> so you play guitar. Do you, I do. Do you play anything else, first of all? Yes. Um, I play piano. I play a little bit of bass. Uh, I actually started with piano. I started playing piano when I was three. Parents forced you, I assume. Actually, no. Uh, my grandpa was a musician. He played in like wedding bands back in the you know fifties and sixties. So he got me into it. He I used to go visit them in Jersey City when they lived there. Uh, he always had a piano in his basement. So every time I'd go there, I would like be drawn to that. And um, you know, he had said to my parents, he's like, you know, why don't you let him take lessons? So I took lessons um, from when I was four. So uh, I did that all the way through high school to like middle of high school. And then I kind of, you know, I kind of lost interest at that point. I was just like, you know, I don't want to play classical music anymore. I, I kind of felt like I learned everything that I could learn in terms of piano and I wanted to go on to something else. So I was classically trained with piano and then I taught myself guitar and bass. How, so like when you say taught yourself, like what'd you do to teach yourself? Um, so I would literally just listen to songs and be like, you know, I want to learn that. I want to learn that. So I'd look up YouTube videos. I would just watch like the artists play live and I would try to like mimic that and try to just, you know, watch their fingers, watch how they're picking and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it kind of started from that and then it evolved more into, you know, I, I felt myself getting blocked with like skill, skill level, I guess you could say. So I was like, you know, I don't have that problem with piano. And I was like, why is that? Why is that? And I, at the end of the day, I think it's because I was classically trained. So, you know, I learned the scales, I learned music theory, 
And I was like, well, you know, if I want to get there with guitar, I, I, I should probably teach myself that way. So I basically just wiped the slate clean and started from the basics, you know, just learning the scales, learning the, you know, the fingering, the pentatonics, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much just went from looking at artists that I aspired to play like and that I would learn their music and then it kind of branched into my own thing. I was like, all right, well, now I have this skill. Now I know how to play. Like now let me write and let me make my own kind of music. So that's, that's pretty much where it came from. See, you're lucky that like starting at such an early age with one instrument, like with the piano, that kind of just develops that, like that thing in your brain that you're, you have the ability to maintain that patience. Like me, dude, I would be like, F this thing. Like I tried, my parents forced <laughs> me to play the saxophone in like fifth grade. I would like cry cause I hated it so much cause I had no patience. I get so pissed. And like the thought of wanting to play an instrument now, like it's just like a turn off. It's just like, cause I was like, dude, it's going to take. And that's like for most things though, people don't want to try things cause they're like, it's, it's going to take me years to figure it out. But I feel like doing that as a kid, you kind of develop, like you made it to the end of the tunnel. So you kind of can like see the, the end of the tunnel from the start of like a new instrument. You yeah. Know I, mean? I, I could see that. Like, like, I don't know if I could learn any more though. There's definitely like a, a capped out capacity that you could take. Like if I tried to learn like something like violin right now, I'd probably suck. You know, violin like, would be tough. It would be. When when you record music, how much of it is like what you're playing versus like go using like a software and like creating beats? Like how much um, are you actually live? Like so, instrumentation? So actually the guitars are really the only live instrument per se. Yeah. Everything else is written. Like everything else is written in a computer. Right. Um, even the drums. But I, I actually offshore that to one of my buddies who's a drummer he lives out in Colorado recently moved back to New Jersey but um I kind of hit him up for more of a you know he knows drums I don't know drums so I hit him up to you know to bring that knowledge to the table to bring it more uh I guess of an organic feel because a lot of hip-hop now I mean you know nothing against any hip-hop but a lot of it is you know very you can tell it's like a computerized beat you know very just like kick snare 808 808, that kind of stuff but you know if you bring like a drummer into the mix he can add those like little fills and those little things that make it more natural and that's the kind of sound i was going for but you know to bring it back to the main point here the the guitars are the only thing that i record as a live instrument everything else is done in a computer so then how would you for someone who hasn't listened yet because they're going to listen after this (laughs) how would you describe your music to somebody Um, so I would say the EP itself, I definitely drew a lot of inspiration from like a post Malone type vibe. You can't really put a point on a genre, but it's more like a, it's, it's definitely hip hop. You know, it's got that standard 808, like kick snare, even beat, but, uh, definitely more influenced with guitar. So it's, I would say like a rock hip hop, indie alternative kind of thing. I think that's how I... (laughs) When I first listened to it, I think when you sent it to me, I think that's how I described it to you was like, it sounds like Post Malone, if Post Malone wanted to make like more of a, like an alt rock album. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has a hip hop influence, but like you said, more guitar, a little more like, it's like kind of singing, kind of rapping, but more leaning towards singing. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that is kind of how I described it. All right. So kind of how we were saying there's different hip hop elements to the music. Like you've been classifying as hip hop. And then we're saying like, it has a lot of rock influences, the guitar, the singing. What do you, th- what are your thoughts on like 
like genres and labeling music because I feel like now more than ever people are kind of blending genres like Post Malone we said like if we're talking about hip hop like Juice World use a lot of like punk influences yeah, yeah. like there are other people that are like that so like because I feel like the, the problem people run into is like you're being forced to label it like a certain genre you got to pick one exactly. and then me as a listener I got to be like well this isn't hip hop yeah you know what I mean so do you feel like like what are your thoughts on like that dynamic of trying to choose personally like, one personally I'm happy that more people are blending music nowadays because it really like coming from a creative standpoint I guess there are people that like you know they, they find their niche they find their element and then they just stick with it and they just crank out music that all falls within that category I guess but you know for a lot of people it's hard to stick in a genre like that so I think it's better you know to not put a label on it because it kind of gives these people the creative freedom that they they have within them to to make the music that they want and like you know uh, back to what I was saying before about you know the why I chose the name I did. It's because I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to stick as all hip hop. If I have a song that I, that I write and I like that's, you know, falls into something else, like I don't want to have to feel afraid to release it because people think I'm, you know, X type of artist. So I'm, you know, I'm happy that like, I, I disagree with kind of labeling yourself and I think it's hard for the person themselves or the, the group themselves to label themselves. You know, it's just like, it's asking you to critique your own artwork kind of like, um, but yeah, I'm happy that people are blending things and it's kind of, you know, it's almost like a new era of music that's transitioning into a lot of, uh, a lot of different blends. So then how much of you incorporating like all those hip hop elements is like, I, and when I ask, I've asked a few artists this question and I feel like it kind of comes, I don't know how it comes across, but like, are you making music like more, this is the sound I want to create or is it more so? this is what's popular. So let me take like some popular elements and add it to like my wheelhouse. Um, you know what I mean? For me, honestly, it's right now. I think it is what I want to create. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you listen to the other stuff on Spotify, but there's two other songs there that aren't really part of the EP and they're completely different. Yeah. Genres. Very different. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I released Nephophobia, the, the single, and I had a lot of fun with that. I thought it was like a really cool idea and, uh, you know, to add to that, it got a lot of positive feedback once I put it, put it out there. So I was like, you know, this is awesome. Like I'm having fun making this kind of music and people also love it. And I was like, you know, I definitely can make more music like this. So it, it's kind of the best, it's kind of like a little bit of both worlds. Honestly, it's like, you know, people are liking this kind of music, but I'm also enjoying creating it. So, you know, I, I'm going to create it this way as, as much as I have fun with it. And then when I want, you know, when I want to go to something else, I... I maybe just uh, switch it up a bit. So you mentioned the name of the EP, which we haven't even mentioned yet. The name of the EP is Nephophobia. Yes. Now, I looked it up because I didn't <laughs> know before I looked it up. So for people listening who probably don't know what that means, explain to what, first, just explain what the what the word means. Okay, so Nephophobia means the fear of clouds. Um, I actually, when I first saw that word, I was actually reading a book. I forget which book I read uh, that had that word in it, but I didn't know what it meant. And, uh, it made me, you know, it made me look it up. So I thought it was just kind of a cool concept. Um, you know, it's something unfamiliar and, you know, if I can get someone to be curious about it and to like, look it up or just to, you know, have a general interest because they don't, the mystery behind, I guess the word or anything like that, that was what I was shooting for. It's just like a draw of the unknown, I guess you could say. Okay. And then in the context 
of the actual project, the music, what does like, how does that incorporate into the music? Um, so the underlying, I mean, the underlying theme of the whole Al, uh, EP, I guess you could call it. You call it whatever you want. Everyone <laughs> uses every other thing. You call it anything. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. The underlying like theme of the EP is definitely, there's definitely a lot of um, drug influences. Um, you know, not to say that I partake in all of the aspects of that I describe, but it's just kind of like, um, I, I, I really don't know how to put a point on it. Honestly, it's just, you know, the mystery behind the word kind of drew me to create this whole story around that one song. So basically none of the other songs, I'm kind of going off topic here, go, go for but it. Uh, okay. none of the other songs at the time of Nephophobia, the single at the time of that release, none of those other songs were written. Um, so they were all, once I received like the positive feedback on the song, they were all written around that same like mysterious aspect. So like the, the artwork plays into that a lot too. I actually had my brother do the artwork. Um, but the underlying theme, I guess, is it's it tells a story. It, uh, you know, each song is a little bit different, but the underlying theme is definitely drugs. <laughs> Do you think like it matter? Like, I feel like some artists like they want like this underlying like really deep like meaning. Some artists say like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I just want it. Like, I want to evoke some kind of emotion or make you feel a certain way. Yeah, like, I would have definitely a preference either way. I would say the latter. You know. I, I definitely have inspirations behind or motivations for what, what I was writing for, but you know, it's the same as reading a book, you know, the artist or the, the author may have a different purpose than what the viewer or reader or listener interprets. And I'm completely fine with that. If you like listen to the song and it makes you feel a certain way, if it makes you feel anything at all, I'm happy. You know what I mean? So I'm not trying to force a certain emotion or a certain thought process on the listeners. I want them to just like absorb it and interpret it for what they think it is. And I think that that makes me happier than me trying to just dictate what this is about. That's interesting. Cause I feel like, I mean, I'm obviously not an artist, but to me, I would think if I created something with, um, like I had a certain idea of it, like, okay, I'm going to create this. This is the theme. This is the idea. This is what I want to get across. I put it out there to me. I would think if, People didn't, if that went over people's heads, that would annoy me. I'd be like, I created for this. Like, why aren't you understanding it? Like, why aren't you like interpreting it this way? Like, so, but you're saying that you're okay with that as long as they get some kind of reaction. Exactly. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I I, I don't want to force my opinions on people or, or my thought process, but if someone can take away anything or if it inspires them or makes them feel a certain way, I'm, I'm happy with that. To me, that's in my eyes, that's, that's a success. So background on uh, how we linked up to this interview. Like we got in contact, we were talking about, we were going to do this. This is just cause I want to like say how much I enjoyed it. So talking about doing an interview, just timing wasn't working out. Then I saw you posted, you had the new project coming out. I hit you up and I'm probably going to say this when I make an intro too. <laughs> and I reached out saying, Oh, I see you have a project coming out. Like it probably makes sense to like, let's do an interview about it. And so we kind of like agreed on it before I heard it. You said yeah, it to me yeah. and I had this, I was like, you know, like, I hope it's good, but like, <laughs> cause I don't want to like say down and then I listen to it. I'm like, ah, like I'm actually not feeling this and now I got to co-sign it. So I was like, I was hesitant, but like I asked. So then we like, just agreed to it. But then I listened and I, it, I thought it was so good. Like Thank I you. thought the, the first song way up, that's the first song. Yeah. And then I told you this too. 
Like I thought that really set the tone of the project because just like, and I don't know if this was intentional. I mean, I guess I want to ask if it was intentional or not, like to put this first, but the way it like, kind of like, it like slow plays the intro, it kind of builds up a little bit. You're like a minute in and then it just drops. And like the way, like that sound from like that point on for the rest of the song, I felt like, like when I finished the project, thinking back, I'm like, that really set the tone for the whole project, I thought. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't necessarily know if it was intentional, but after having listened to the whole thing back uh, in, in terms of the structure, the way I ordered the songs, uh, you know, the way you described it is just hits the nail on the head. It's like you're, you're listening to it. It's pretty much all guitars in the beginning. It's kind of got those like 60s rock like right. oohs and ahs like the you know the vocals and stuff and then you're like what is this like what genre is this gonna be yeah then, it does yeah. kind of like leave you hanging like you don't know what you're gonna get yet like it, yeah. it was kind of leaving it up like you don't know what's gonna happen yeah so with that one actually um the guitars with everything else uh i wrote everything and with this i just wrote the guitars and the vocals and then my buddy andy who goes by the name drunk girl he did. That's confusing. I th not to cut you off. I saw that and I was like, you thought it was a girl. I thought it was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say yeah. that. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so he actually, um, you know, he did the beat for that. He really liked the guitar work and the vocals for that. He's like, you know, like, you know, and I produced with him for everything. So he's actually also the producer on the entire EP. Um, so he's like, yo, I really like this song. Like, let me write the beat behind it. And then like, let, have me be a feature. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so that was the only one that I didn't really fully write the music for. So that's just a little little side note there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought I really like that song. I like the whole thing, but that was for sure my favorite. I really like that one. Yeah. So he, you put, you don't put any thought into like the sequencing of a project, really? Like how much importance do you think that holds? Oh no, I definitely I put a lot of thought into like ordering it. So basically, I had um, Nephophobia was the one I had in the bag after I had released it, and I was like, you know, it's got a lot of positive feedback. Let me do a self or not a self titled. I, I don't know what you call that. It was titled yeah, it was after, a title the after the song. Yeah. Um, so I was like, let me do something like that, you know, really draw in the listener's attention. Um, so I had those other songs and I was just, you know, one thing I've always enjoyed about listening to music is always listening from start to finish. And something that I feel like it makes me enjoy an album or a project more is when something flows. So I just, you know, I had all the songs fast forward to a couple weeks before release. I had all the songs ready to go and I listened to them. Um, and I was like, you know, how can I place these to, um, you know, to really get my point across of like the story I'm trying to tell. So like way up is kind of like the intro, you know, like it's about like smoking weed, obviously, um, just that kind of thing. And I had nephophobia directly in the middle just because, you know, everything was centered around that. So there, I guess there is a little bit of a, you know, thematic background to that. And then I ended with last one home, which is, you know, for to keep it short and simple, it's just being, it's about being the last one home from a party. That's pretty much it. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely put a decent amount of thought into the ordering of the songs. It's, it's critical, I think. Right. But I feel like that's another thing going back to what I said before, like people might not rec realize that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, that's like you true. do something intentional and people don't realize like it, it flows kind of the, like it's, mm -hmm. it, there's like an intentional sequence to it and that could just go over people's heads. Yeah, it definitely, but, but at the same time, like if it does go over, as long as they're listening, as long as they like it, that's, that's fine. It also know? probably, it might consciously, but subconsciously it might not. That might be why they yeah. like it. You know what I mean? They might not realize that's part of what makes it better. That is true. But that could be, that could be it. How does, how do you think, how do you think streaming, like music is consumed differently than it used to be definitely right so 
how do you feel about like how does it affect both the creative process and kind of like how you market the music and get people to listen to the music after like once it's released the way people consume it through streaming services as opposed to how they used to buy it yeah so streaming completely changed the game for music release music production pretty much the whole music industry was changed by streaming um you know it used to be like everyone would follow the you know the quote unquote pop format it's like single single maybe one more single and then boom album and it's like you know you have those singles that you know are going to be those you know those attention drawers to the album and you release those to kind of gain this traction and then you know you have people talking about it you have it on the radio you have people listening to it i'm talking back like 60s 70s era and then boom you release an album it's really the only way for people to listen to it so they're going to buy the whole thing you know now you can you know if you really if you choose to release it on like something like youtube people can listen for free you know so it definitely changes the aspect of like the strategic aspect of release so for me personally um I, I, I guess you could say I'm kind of still following that pop format. It was just like, you know, I released a single. It got a lot of positive feedback. All right, now here's this single on a larger project. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not banking on people buying my EP for five bucks. I'm just banking on them having to listen to and enjoy each track for what it is individually. Um, also, in today's day and age, I mean, we live in the age of technology and information. People's attention spans are naturally shorter. So, you know, there used to be a, a, an appreciation for five, six minute long songs. And, you know, now it's like everything's kind of it's too long. Yeah. Now everything's short, sweet to the point, which I'm OK with, because, you know, to write a six minute long song that actually like from start to finish is good. It's so hard right. like that, you know, you're going to lose somebody along the way. And that's something I didn't want to have have happen. Um, which is actually kind of, you know, segue into another little bit of a topic here. The beginning of every song is so important because people usually listen for like 10 seconds before they decide to, you know, either listen more or skip, you know? So it's like, it, you gotta, you gotta kind of strategically plan that when you're both, when you're writing and when you're releasing. Um, but I'm trying not to let the streaming platforms kind of dictate how I want to do it, which is another benefit of just being independent. It's like, I can do whatever I want. If I want to take, you know, six months and release a 20 song album, I can, or if I want to just, you know, hit one after the other out maybe once a month. But, you know, then on the other side of that, you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So I guess stats, right? So Spotify gives you as an artist an incredible amount of stats to like sift through and look, you can see people's, uh, you know, the gender of the people who listen to your music, the age range, location, city, time of day, all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of see, um, you know, when I released Nephophobia, I was watching that pretty closely because I, I was honestly amazed that, that it was doing so well. I was like, this is crazy to me. Like, I didn't think I was going to get 100 people to listen to it, let alone, you know, 20,000 streams in a, in a month. Um, so when you're looking at that and then you see it kind of like reach its peak and start to taper off, it's like, well, you know, now what do I do? I'm, I'm literally staring at a graph showing, you know, here I had 500 views in a day and now it's going down to like 480. Then the next day is 460. It's like, how do I bring back that back up? Do I bring it back with, you know, five songs or do I bring it back with just one song? And I, I you know, if I have those other four songs, I could do that once a month and keep that, you know, keep that going up. But 
I mean, I, for me personally, I just wanted to release a project and like have it be a complete idea from start to finish and see how that took with the, with the public. With like, you were talking about the, like back in the day when people just released singles and about the album, like me, I needed less singles. Like the way you did it, one single is enough for me. Mm -hmm. I like, I actually, this is me personally. I can't stand when artists put out like three, four singles and I listen to the album and I'm like, so the only things I like on this album, yeah, the songs (laughs) I already heard. And I, and I'm like, this album sucks. But if they just had released the album on its own, I would have said this album's amazing. So I always feel like that's something like, I feel like it's hard when you do an EP because it's like, how much of an EP are you really going to release? So you're going to release like three of the five songs. Like that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. You probably wouldn't do that with an EP. So probably depends. But that's why I think like, to me, I think that's how streaming changed it because it's like, I think it also takes out the fillers. Like I I feel like a lot of people, because they had to buy bigger albums, like you have to just, you had to justify the purchase of like 10, 11, $12 for Mm -hmm. an album. So you had to make it like, 16 18 20 even more songs to justify that price true whereas now the price doesn't matter yeah so if i if you put like 18 songs and like half of them are just filler songs like throwaways i'm like all right this isn't good so it kind of like forces people to cut down to only what they think the listener will like which i think is better for everybody Uh, i don't i'm not a fan of filler songs to be honest (laughs) yeah like i just i feel like that's a lot i mean i consume mostly hip-hop but i always think like when i listen to older albums you notice that so much one you notice how long the songs are yeah you're like whoa this song is i used to love this song but it's like five and a half minutes long it's like dude i can't listen to this and then or it's like has like an extra verse and i'm like all right like they could have taken that take that verse out dude like i don't need it or it's like yeah it'll be like a 22 song album and i like like nine of the songs it's like just cut it down to 10 you know what yeah, I mean? Like no, you don't need so to have, true. I feel like people don't do like super long albums like that anymore. Yeah. A lot of that was, I, I feel like too, back in the day was like labels were probably forcing these artists. Right. That's that, part of it too. Which, yeah. which sucks because like, you know, who wants to release shitty music? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, not that it's shitty, but it's just like, I feel like, well, you probably would know better than me. Like, do you think the artists know like, Oh, definitely. When they definitely. put it out, like this isn't like, this song isn't the best. Like this one is like the one that's going to hit. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would suck. Yeah, I no, like I mean, even even I, with what I released, um, I knew beforehand just just from from what I did, I was like, you know, people are going to like the first song and the last song more than any other song. Not to say that the other two, uh, besides Nafafovia, were fillers for me because I en- I enjoyed like writing them and creating them, but I knew for like listeners, I knew it was going to be way up or last one home. And like as of now, last one home is is getting a lot of positive feedback. So that's pretty cool. What do you think with, um, like, what are your aspirations from a label perspective? Like, I assume, do you have aspirations to be on a major label at some point? No, not Not, at all. Not at all. Ooh, I like this conversation. Okay, this is good. Not at all. So why not? (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely no major labels for me. Uh, When I was younger, I thought that was, like, the dream. It's like, yeah, I can, you know... I can become recognized and they can pay for like all of the logistics of everything. And then I could just do music full time. But, you know, I realized like, especially from listening to a lot of music of artists that have gone from like, you know, major creative labels to kind of a solo thing. A lot of the, a lot of their content of their music is like, fuck the music industry kind of thing. It's just like, you know, music is not a business. It should be something that you want to do on your own. 
And if you fall into that like label, you've, I, I feel like these people or these artists succumb to a lot of pressure. You know, it's like they're pressured to sound a certain way or to, um, you know, release on a certain track. And you, I don't know, for me, you can't force creativity, you know, like there's a reason why I took three months from the time I released the single to release something else. It was just because I, I wasn't ready. You know what I mean? And I feel like these labels are like, you know, you got to meet these deadlines or you got to, you got to work with people because they have the connections, not because you jive with them. So I feel like it just adds a lot of pressure to an artist and it can, it can make or break them. It, you know, these labels obviously have the connections. They have the knowledge of how the marketing works and how, you know, just how all of the logistics in terms of a music debut or a music release works. Um, now in terms of like the music itself, in terms of success, I definitely think a label can help, but in terms of the artist and their, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess their, their quality of life, it, it can make or break them. So I personally don't want to be signed. I like being able to work with the people who I want to work with. And I like being able to work on my own timeline and not feel forced or pressured to sound a certain way or to, you know, to appeal to a certain crowd. So do you think, don't you think that's going to lead to you having to do more work? Like more of a hundred on your shoulders. A hundred percent. Okay with that. Um, so, you know, I don't mind delegating some work to people who I trust, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to, you know, get on board with a huge company to handle all that. I could, you know, keep a team of like three or four people if it ever gets to that point where, you know, I just can't do it all myself. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind like bringing in a couple of buddies who I, you know, regularly make music with to handle some certain aspects, but I definitely wouldn't want it to be, you know, managed by a company. So say... I'm uh, an exec at Sony. Okay. And I come to you and I say, Mr. White Wolf, sir, <laughs> I have a contract for you and we're going to give you an advance of a million dollars check right there. After taxes, you're going to get a million dollars. That's tough, man. For three albums. Three albums? Three albums for a million dollars. See, I... Hmm. That's, ah, that's see, now tough. it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Now, when, when money's involved, that's always a different story. And, you know, I, I, I would probably take it. And here's why I, I feel like, you know, for the listeners, don't think I'm going back on my word cause I'm not. Um, but it would be an interesting experience to see how that could act as a catalyst for the music. And if it works, a, I'm getting paid B my time is solely dedicated to music and then if that creates enough of a following for me where I could develop an independent label or become an independent artist again with that same following, I would take that as a success all around. But I would never want to be someone who maintains on a label and exclusively releases music through a label till the end of my music writing days. Right. So you're saying you would view it more as like an opportunity then to have the money to only focus on music and then to hopefully use the label's resources to grow your audience and then take that audience and get out. Exactly. I, I think the most value that a label has to any up and coming artist nowadays is exposure. Um, I mean, you know, we're, like I said before, we're in the age of like information and technology. Anybody can make, if, if you take the time, anybody can make good music 
with, with little to no help now on, on a computer, you know, um, you know, you can do self-production, you can do self mixing and mastering. Now, granted you, there's going to be time. So it's really just, you know, it's always like time versus your value of time. So if you have all the time in the world you can, you could do it yourself. You know, it just gets to the point where the time commitment to the marketing aspect and to the social media presence aspect, it hinders your, um, influence as a a solo artist to, to focus on the more important part of the creative process. But, um, I think, yeah, I think using a label for exposure and then taking, like you said, taking those fan base and just moving it to your own kind of private thing. I think that would be, that would be a good move, but not, I wouldn't want to be, you know, just stuck with a label forever, forced to go on tours, forced to do all this stuff. I mean, you know, that's why people burn out, but. So you said something about like, that would free you up to have more time. So do you struggle with like having time? Like I assume music's not your main source of income. It it? is not, no. Right, so do you you struggle to find the time to do everything? Because kind of like what you were saying, the benefits that a label provides is that they do the marketing, they do the so they help with the social media, they help with like getting it placed on certain things. You just gotta focus on the music really. Whereas now you're probably you can't dedicate your full time to the music because you're not making it takes a lot for you to make a, your full yeah. salary from it. Yeah. And on top of it, you gotta worry about the social media, the marketing, like the Yeah, it is stuff. it's super time consuming. Um the the creative aspect, you know, after my day of work, I'll come home and I'll jam out and I'll, you know, record. I basically record everything I do now. Um, whether it's good messing around or like, I'm actually intending to try to write a song, but I'll always record everything I do because, you know, there may be something in there that I like and I can abstract that and and build off of that. But the time commitment to the marketing and to just the social aspect is, is definitely draining. It's, uh, you know, it's almost, it almost requires like 24 seven attention and it requires a level of detail and a level of knowledge about, about marketing that not to say I don't know it, but I I don't have the time to make that my full-time thing is to worry about the social aspect. It's like, I want to worry about the music and then I also worry about have to uh, holding down a real job and making my income. Um, so I could definitely see the benefits of that, like giving you the tools to just worry about the, the, the aspect that an artist needs to worry about. But for where I am now, I think it's manageable to the point where I'm, I'm happy being able to do it myself and like being able to have a hands-on approach and how I construct my, um, image and how I construct like this social presence and following around white wolf. Um, I'm, I'm happy at this stage to have a helping hand or to have a, a leading role in, in shaping that. But if it ever does get to the point where it like blows up and people want more shows and they want more content, then, then yeah, I would definitely reach out to people who I, who I trust to, to handle that stuff. But if a label approached me now and said, Hey, here's a million dollars for three albums, I, I would probably do it just to yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. I would do it now to catapult, to catapult what I could do later on my own. Right. That makes sense. So I saw you posting a lot about making it onto a bunch of Spotify playlists on uh, Spotify, obviously. How does that whole process work and how like beneficial do you think that is to like getting people to hear your music? Like, uh, is that like one crucial. of your top priorities? Crucial. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely crucial. Um, the reason being is for me as an independent artist, the goal is to uh, make the music 
you know, get it out there. And then, you know, right now, nobody really knows who White Wolf is, right? I mean, you know, you maybe I have 6,000 listeners a month. That's a lot. That's pretty good. Um, thank you. But it's just like, you know, at this stage of the game, the people who are listening to the music outside of like a close, like friends, family kind of circle, or just, you know, people who are happening to come by it by my own design. So like I'll post it on, I'm, I'm huge into Reddit. Reddit, is, you know what Reddit is, right? All right. Uh, Reddit is a huge platform for anything nowadays, especially music. Um, so I'll post it to certain subreddits where I think people will like it. Um, you know, they may take a listen to it. And I think it's just the idea of getting it out to like a network and having that, that network kind of spread it. So my process for this was, uh, kind of similar to what, what you and I did. So I, I had it, uh, on SoundCloud uploaded first. It was private. Essentially what I would do is I would look at the Spotify stats, look at the artists who, um, we're kind of in the same category. So Spotify provides you with a way to see, you know, people listening to you also listen to X, Y, and Z. So I'll take a look at artists X, Y, and Z, and I'll see what playlists they're on. Um, you know, every playlist that's big name has some type of, um, you know, contact info to reach out to them. So within the past two weeks, I probably sent out like over a hundred emails to just, uh, you know, all these different playlist curators. I'm like, Hey, here's my tracks, you know, take a listen. Let me know if you like anything and let me know if you think anything would fit. Um, and then you can kind of like throw in a sweet deal. It's like, you know, if you, if you like this and I want to work with you, like I'll let you have like exclusive promotion to the song, you know, make them feel special kind of thing. But, um, yeah. So out of that, out of like a hundred emails, I got four ads, you know, four hosting, uh, ads. So at, in my, at the end of the day, in my eyes, that's a huge success because each of these playlists have over a hundred thousand listeners, right? So that's automatically putting my music in front of a hundred thousand people. So if out of that, if, even if I only have 5% of that playlist following, listen to that, that's 5,000 people. And that's 5,000 people more that I have now that I wouldn't have in the past. But getting playlisted is extremely important for exposure because if you're just, if you're just posting like on Facebook or on Instagram, you're limited to reach unless you pay for it. You're limited to reaching your followers. So, you know, I have like 2000 friends on Facebook. Don't know half of them personally. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. like, <laughs> but half of them, you're like, I don't remember who this person is. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And they're like, who the hell is this kid just putting out his music trying to shove it in my face? But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely super important to get it to the right people who can then, you know, send it out for you. That's interesting. It is funny, too. Like, a lot of things seem very daunting, but when you kind of break it down the way you just did with the numbers, how you're like, I sent 100 emails, only four landed. That doesn't seem like a lot, but each one has 100,000 people. If I only get 5%, which is super, like, yeah, you can, if you break it down, it's really not like, like things seem daunting. It's like, if you just look at like the big, the big number, picture, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy though. Anyway, I mean, that's what I do for work, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, you have to look, you almost look at it like, uh, like applying for a job, you know, you're not going to just do one and done and then say, all right, I tried for the day. It's like, right. no, you got to apply to hundreds and hundreds before you get an opportunity to even speak to them in person. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's almost like, I, I, I almost take it the same approach as like an 
a, a job interview, really. It's like, here's my, my music is my resume. It's like, do you like it? Is it marketable? Can you employ this idea? And if they do, then, you know, we'll speak further and we'll talk. If it comes down to money, I'll talk money and I'll, you know, it's hard. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to bring that up. Some playlists, I think like the Spotify ones that like the company makes, Probably not, but then they're also probably getting paid by the label, so it probably is money in a way. But like, it's really hard. Oh, sorry to cut you off, but it's um, to get on a Spotify like a Spotify playlist, like not something by a curator, is so hard if right. you're if you're nobody. It's just yeah. the labels definitely pay. Um, they say the longer you you leave stuff up on pre-release, so basically pre-release is like you know my album was done. Uh, mid October. Right. And then real, or actually beginning of October. And the biggest setback for me was waiting for the artwork, which I didn't want to rush. Um, so I really couldn't do anything with that music until the artwork was done because it needs to be all packaged and ready to go before, you know, it gets on the Spotify, but pre-release is the opportunity for curators, uh, employed by Spotify to release that or to listen to it and add it to a Spotify brand playlist. Uh, I didn't know they so they're able to listen to it if you, okay. So yeah. So just a little bit of background about how that process works. It's like my music's done, the artwork's done. Then you either have to, um, you know, upload everything individually yourself, or you can go through a distributor. I personally go through a distributor because it's way easier. I literally pay 30 bucks a year, uh, to this company. It's called distro kid. Um, 30 bucks a year and you can up- upload unlimited music and they handle all of the distribution you set up, you load up the songs, you load up the artwork, you set a release date and they push it out everywhere. So like Nephophobia, they handle putting it on Amazon. They handle putting it on iTunes, Apple music, you know, everything like that. Um, but on, once it's uploaded, it goes onto what's called pre-release, which is like private, uh, a private stream for the people who work for said company, whether it be Apple Music, Spotify. And they have the chance to listen to it and see, hey, you know, I like this. Let's put this on that playlist. That for, for me would be the ultimate goal is because when you get onto a Spotify playlist, those are like millions and millions right. of people listening to that. So that's really how it catapults. That, that's a little bit of background about pre-release. Yeah. yeah but um, going back to the curators thing, like that does suck. Like when money has to, you know, oh. cause you don't, cause then you're like, ah, because it, it's like a, it's like becomes a moral thing because you're always like, oh, I don't want to pay so money. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also like it doesn't force people to like it. No, it you know, doesn't. like it exactly. gets in their face, but I could hate it. Yeah. So it's still ha- it's still you're paying to get the exposure, but you're not paying for people to like for it. people to like it. Yeah. I mean, there are companies out there that literally just you pay them and they just flood your account with fake views yeah. To, to see if like any real people will gain traction on that. But it's, that's not worth it for me. You know, you pay 200 bucks to get just a f- fake amount of streams. Like that's, yeah, what's I've, the, what's I've the noticed point that. Of that. There are some people, sometimes you could just tell, you see like, same with like, in, like any social media, you can tell when people have fake followers or fake, like whatever, yeah. like it's at least to me, I feel like it's pretty obvious when people do that. Yeah. I mean, I have like 300 followers on Instagram, so, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's tough. It's tough to get like people who actually, like, you know, like I was saying before, with just like attention span and time commitment, it's tough to get people to take that next step beyond like listening. Like 
as an artist for, for people to listen to your music. Yeah, that's great. Like you get a stream out of that, but what you really want is you want people to like click the like button on the song. Cause what that does is it like actually puts it into an algorithm for Spotify. It's like, all right, people are clicking like on this song. Now we can evaluate other songs that this person likes and we can put it into your discover weekly. We can put it into your, um, release radar. And like, that's what you kind of want. You want that next level commitment from that person to really get the artist to the next, uh, the next tier, I guess you could say. You're also giving me some ideas like for the podcast, how you were saying the, like, if you're just like, I'm just posting it on my Instagram. Like I'm the only kind of blasting it out to my network and hoping that they Mm -hmm. share it. But really I should be making like the same effort you are to get it out to other like networks, I guess. Yes. So like, I think, I think that's good advice that a lot of people, that can apply to if you have a business, if you're any kind of content creator or artist of some sort. Like it seems obvious, but like I never thought like I that to me like I never thought about like making that a point. Yeah, I'm no, like, oh, the point is I got to get like people who follow me to like it and share it. But really, you should just get it out in front of people who might like it. Exactly. Exactly. See, you're giving me this is helping me. <laughs> I appreciate it. What frustrates you more, the creative process? Or once it's released, trying to get people to listen to it, the play, like all that stuff. Um, I, I wouldn't say any part is frustrating per se, but um, definitely I, I feel like the the um, the release and the marketing is is more at least for me. I'm not saying that I have the you know the golden approach to it, but for me, it's more cookie cutter. It's like all right, I, I look at the the creative process as more of the legwork. That's the stuff that's tough, you know. Um, just, just to give a little bit of insight, like nephrophobia is like 16 minutes long and that took months, just months and months and months, like three, four months. And I've listened to every song in all of its stages easily. No joke over like 200 yeah, I get so sick of it by yeah, now. No, by, yeah. the, by the time the, by the time the music releases, like everyone's like, Oh, I love that. Or like, you know, I was, at, I was at a Halloween party the other day with a couple of my buddies and they like, it was on the day that it released and they were playing it. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to listen. Like, <laughs> just, I, just get it away from me. But, um, yeah, I would definitely say uh, the, the creative process, it may not be more fr- fr- frustrating, but definitely more challenging. It's just like, you know, are you, am I happy with this? Like, what can I do to make this better? And it literally, um, you know, listening to these songs on repeat, adding like little nuances or taking away things that I feel like, you know, draw back from the song. Um, that's definitely the, I I get, yeah, I guess you could use the word frustrating. That's definitely the more frustrating part is to like tweak it to what my vision of not perfect, but my vision of like, this is good to go. You know, that's definitely more time than the marketing. The marketing is like the product's already done. I kind of have like a cookie cutter process from my previous two releases on how to do it. So I'm just going to, you know, do what I know. And if it sticks, it sticks. If not, I got to, you know, learn from that and how to adapt and improvise moving forward. Yeah. I feel like it's hard to, like you say, like, Oh, this is good to go. Like as an artist, it's hard to like you, you're almost a perfectionist in a way. And that's like, yeah. like Kanye's problem. Like he, you'll never be like, this is good enough. Cause he wants to keep like, yeah. with it. you know, I feel like any artist could be like that though. They just don't publicize it. Like they're always trying to be like, this is a good enough. Watch tweak this. This is good to release. And you hear it again. You're like, Oh no wait, I should change that. Like it never might not never feel right. And that's, that's the scary thing as an artist about like making a release. It's like, 
there are ways to rescind that release from like a store or from a streaming platform, but no one really does that. But yeah, once it's out, it's out. Yeah, once it's out, it's out. Like if you take it away, people are gonna be like, you know, what the hell, what the hell is going on? But that is the scary thing. It's like once you have that uploaded, like that's that's it. That's the final product that people are gonna see. So like if you think of something on your four hundredth listen, you're like, oh damn, I should have do that. Oh, it's, it's it's too late. Right. But um, I mean. I've even had that with this release on just like something I was like, Oh, you know, I could have like used this part and harmonized it a little differently. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is what it is at this point, right. but it could be, you know, it could be a, a positive thing or a drawback because if you, if you spend too much time on it, you can actually take away from the good parts. Like, it, you know, if you overthink it, you know, you could take out something that you don't like, but it, it, it could have been the make or break to make it better. You know what I mean? So it's, it's always a delicate balance, but I would say, I would say probably like a collective of nine or 10 hours spent listening to each song, just figuring things out over the course of months and weeks and constant revisits to the studio to change things. Um, it's a, yeah, it's time consuming. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. So what do you think? You said major label, you say you don't want to be on that career, like for a career long time on a major label, if there was like a short term thing, you'd think about it, but say somewhere to ask you like your ideal career path. So like if you were to look at it, like this is how I would like my career to go over the next like five years, where do you see, where would you like it to go? And then what's your plan for it to go that way? Um, so five year plan, I would say just keep releasing music, uh, try to get better at the marketing aspect, try to get more exposure, um, eventually to the point where I've developed, you know, a, a, a distinct, um, I guess, I guess you could say a distinct following, but my goal would be to, you know, to kind of take that and take my, this sounds kind of like pompous, but take my success and then like have that be trickled down. So it's like, Hey, you don't, you know, do you know how to write a song? Do you know how to record? Do you know how to mix and master? It's like, let me help you. Let me coach you kind of thing. Um, eventually, I mean, I guess what you could say, it's just like me and two buddies just starting our own label. And like the, the, the hold back to that is like, we first need to be successful before we can have someone else like feed off of that success right, and, and make you. their own success. Exactly. So I would say five years, um, it, you know, if a label approaches me and I had like a quick stint with that, make, make some good money and get some good exposure, I'd, I'd probably take it. Wouldn't want that to be my end trajectory though. Definitely just like something along the way, but I would want to kind of establish just like a, uh, a signature sound and a signature brand, I guess you could say, and then have that be become something greater where I can now manage other artists and like take my approaches and apply it to their work and see them grow in the same aspect that I did myself. All right. Ready? Rapid fire questions to end it. All right. So you're the first person I'm doing this with. Well, Oof. kind of, it's not that much. All right. It's really, I'm just going to ask you random questions. There's nothing that interesting. Uh, what would your last meal be? I'm just gonna ask you random things just cause I need to know more about you. Okay. What would your last meal be? Chicken parm. That's it. Nothing else. Oh, a oh, full, 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 scope. full All meal, right. full All meal. Right. Uh, oof. you All can right. get whatever you want. Last meal. So I would start with an appetizer probably like some type of scallop dish. Then I would go on to chicken parm with a nice side of pasta. Definitely homemade. What right. kind of pasta though? 
That's mm-hmm. important. Linguini. Okay. Linguini. Okay. Homemade now sauce. Talking. Now we're talking. Gra- yes. Grandma's sauce. Grandma's yeah. homemade gravy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you call it gravy too. That's, that's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> um, drink a choice. Definitely would be a gin and tonic. Um, not with you on that. Not, not no. a gin and tonic guy. No. What, what, what do you go with? For like a, like a mixed drink kind of thing? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not that. Just not that. Yeah, I don't know. I've always been a gin guy. I always get vodka sodas from at a bar, but... Can't drink gin, vodka. Man. Really? Gin and tonic? Well, no. That's Ugh. what I love. But yeah, I mean, definitely not with the chicken parm, but maybe on the side. Right. Maybe a glass of cab stuff, something Tea like cap that. Decap it off, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then some some interesting spin on creme brulee for dessert. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> um, What's your favorite movie? <sighs> Damn. Uh, favorite movie... Probably, probably the original Alien. Really? Yeah. I just, I, I grew up watching horror movies and, um, I love horror movies too. Horror movies are awesome. Yeah. I would say, I just like that created this whole, it was one of, in my, in my mind, it was one of the first movies. I mean, obviously there was sequels and stuff after that, but it was the first movie that set a precedent for like, uh, kind of like a universe that was like, you know, movies were built around. So I thought that was really cool. It was definitely something different for its time. I mean, nowadays you have Marvel that creates like a cinematic universe. But in my mind, I thought like Alien was the first true like cinematic universe. So I I would have to go with that. Yeah, I I am a big fan of uh, horror movies. I would just, I don't know what that says about me. I don't know. I always worry like people think like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? But I like horror movies. Yeah. Off, off, off topic though. If you do like horror movies, check out The Witch. I don't okay. know if you've seen that. No. Um, have you seen Midsummer? Midsummer is that older? No, it's no, like, new. Yeah. Oh wait, that's the one that. It's like they go to a festival in Sweden. No, yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah, check that out. Midsummer. Yeah, man. It's that's crazy. a horror movie. Yeah. yeah, the witch. The witch is really good too. It's like not your typical like jump scare. It's like yeah, I don't like jump scares because no. it's like I and I sound like a douchebag right now, but I kind of like feel like you could tell when they're happening. Yeah, no, like exactly. When I saw. Oh fuck! I'm gonna forget the name of the movie now. There was one. I can't remember, but I remember going to one that was like supposed to be a huge movie. When I was like in high school or like early college, I went with some girls. Went on a date with her or something. <laughs> And I like literally laughed at one point because it was so predictable, like when the jump scares are going to be like, and that was the whole movie was just jump scares. Yeah. This sucks. No no jump scares. For me, a good horror movie is like the story itself is scary. It's like you can, you can finish that movie and think on it on your drive home from the theater or when you're going to bed and you're like, wow, that's fucked up. Yeah. Some kind of like psychological thriller of sorts. Yeah. I'm all about So those two movies are like that? Definitely, dude. All right. Midsummer and The the Witch? The Witch. The Witch. Okay. All right. And then... Last thing is music recommendations. What are you listening to besides for your own music? Obviously, that you think people should listen to. Um, te- and definitely check out the Technicolors. Not hip hop, um, but just overall like really good production. I would say they're more like alternative rock indie. Um, they're pretty up and coming. They're pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, you, any genre, any, any genre, genre, any time period, anything. Any time period. All right. Um, I, my favorite band of all time is the Eagles honestly. So, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a household name at this point, but if you haven't listened to the Eagles, definitely listen to the Eagles. Uh, who else? I don't know. Uh, Lil Peep is actually pretty good. He got some flack for just being who he was, but I think his music's awesome. Uh, what else we got? 
I'm trying to like, it's, it's hard, you know, like you like go into the car and you have like a playlist and you go through them. And now when you're put on the spot, it's like, yeah. shit, what do I listen to? I should have, I should have prepared you. I should have told you. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, obviously post Malone. I really like his new stuff. Um, churches, churches is pretty good. Spell with that. C H V. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, like pretty good. Is it like it's EDM like, kind it's of? It's like EDM. Yeah, I don't kind know. It's of. like EDM female vocals. Yeah. I, I'm I, I, nowadays. I'm like more of. I'm getting suckered into like loving female vocals Dude, for some yo, reason. I am too. Like I, what I listen to mostly. Like it sucks because I make like a like a hip hop, um, like workout playlist yeah, every I, week. I, right. So people out. think that's all I listen to. Like I, outside of the gym, I only listen to like female vocal R and B. Like that's that's what I like to listen to. Like okay. I listen to like art. Like listen to like. It's like SZA, LMA, like I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna forget like a million names, like Snow Allegra, like stuff like that. Like I listen to that, not like speaking rap of uh, speaking of good female female artists, uh, Amy Winehouse, yeah, is legend, awesome. Um, check out on the same on the same scale of like that kind of that voice style aurora this is girl from like iceland she's pretty awesome Ooh, okay uh i'm actually going there next week so i'm pumped to iceland yeah man. Ooh, that's sick yeah for how long to, uh 10 days Damn. trying to see the northern lights that's cool yeah that's the goal that's awesome but uh yeah that's those are like the heavy hitters for me right now just i mean there's you know the story so far great pop punk band um turnover is another great band uh, but again, not not really hip hop. Um, yeah, I think. nice. That's a lot. That is a lot. I'm trying uh, to rattle off the good ones, but all right, I think we're good. So, Nephophobia, I said it right. Yes, Nephophobia is streaming now. Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere else you would possibly listen to music. I I am co-signing it. I said I was worried about it at first before <laughs> I heard it, but it ended up being great. Thank you. Definitely co-sign it. It's awesome. Um, and I expect that we'll get more music at some point. Well, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sitting through me struggling. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to keep the me like having to run away to cough my brains out or not, but (laughs) just know if I take it out that I was coughing my brains out the whole time. That's fair. That's fair. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. And now here's way up off white wolf's new EP Nephophobia.
she heads outside Smell of green, that's a scene She's a smoking fiend Puff, puff, bass, that's the rules of a circle Got a black on black whip Smelling like the color purple right now Feel like spending time with the wrong women Bad bitch vibes, you're all blunts in a lap chilling. The kind who will take you to cloud nine And she don't have to ask twice Every time I spark the lighter, she said, we go.